This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and mom, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi. Hey, it's great to talk to you today, and what a great show. I'm going to be talking about one of your favorite topics, which is sibling loss. And this is adult sibling loss, uh, a little different than you because you, uh, your brother was 17, but you were you know, pretty much how old are you? I was 20, and I definitely was an adult. And as I was saying before the show, I love that we're talking about this because there are not enough shows about adult sibling loss. And i it's a weird thing to be in your 20s and have a sibling die because you don't, and I'm going to talk with our guest today more about this, you don't really feel like an adult, but you don't feel like a kid, a child either. You're kind of in that in-between space. So that's a whole other All right, other well, you uh, introduce the guest, and you two can go off on that, and I'll chime in every so often as a bereaved parent. Okay, so our guest today is someone that I met in 2012 at the Compassionate Friends. She's a really she's a rising leader in the field of sibling loss, and I'm really excited to have her on. Her name is Lisa Nabinatov. I hope I said that right. Lisa Miller Nabinatov. Lisa, how do you say your last name? It's Lisa Nabinatov. If you break it up in three syllables, it's not so bad. There you go. Lisa Miller Nabinatov is an adult bereaved sibling. Her sister Stephanie, the youngest of three, died suddenly and unexpectedly at the age of 24. Realizing the limited availability of resources focused solely on adult bereaved siblings, Lisa is working on a book based on her experiences in the hopes of reaching others and providing insight on the complexities of sibling grief. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Heidi. It's quite an honor to be here. It's wonderful uh, it's to have you. It's great to have you on, Lisa. We're excited. We are. So tell us a little bit about your sister. Uh, my sister Stephanie, um, she, like I said, like you, you know, discussed, she was the youngest of three, and um, our our sibling dynamic was a little bit different, and I think that that can add layers to the complexity of one's grief. Mm-hmm. I am the oldest of three, and um, I am 11 years older than my sister, and eight and a half years older than my brother. My brother's the middle child, so our dynamic was a little bit different because you know it kind of had the babysitter slash, you know, pseudo mom um, feel to it because I was so much older and I would have to babysit and help take care of them and everything. So for the longest time when they were little, it it, it almost seemed like I had my own little, you know, play dolls, my my own live personal baby dolls. And um, it was kind of hard to actually have like the normal sibling relationship when you're responsible for taking care of them. So, um, when my sister passed away at the age of 24, I was actually older than you, Heidi. I was actually in my mid-30s. I was 36. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just unreal because it came from out of nowhere. And um, How did you die? All of a sudden, you know, I had to, you know, we had to take care of my parents because they were just at a loss. So, so Lisa, how, how, did, your, how be, did your sister you know, die? Even my age and be helping, you know, make the decisions for a funeral and memorials and, you know, how to, how to organize the, the program at the memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't seem like 
you know, it, it was just incredible to me. But, you know, I, I stepped up and I did it because, you know, my parents needed me. And um, I just felt like this was like a final um, big sister act. You know, right. like this is the last thing I can do to honor my sister is to take care of. So, um, so Lisa, it sounds like you, you served as a kind of a surrogate parent, too. And like you said, you stepped into that role even more so when your sister died and kind of coordinated everything. And it sounds like she died suddenly. How did how did she die? Well, um, that's the part that that uh, is hard for us to deal with because um, she basically died of unknown causes um, okay. within a span of like two and a half months. She had become mysteriously ill, where she would have these episodes of passing out, and wow. um, she her memory was you know um, she she had problems with her short term memory. And um, she would go see the doctor, and she saw all kinds of specialists. And at first they thought maybe it was seizures, but mm-hmm. then the um, the neurologist ruled out seizures because they said the necessary brain waves weren't there. And every time a doctor thought they figured it out, like perhaps it was vitamin deficiency, um, another test like an MRI or a CAT scan would rule stuff out. Mm-hmm. So basically what happened, she just died in her sleep one day she had a total of four of these you know seizure-like activities and um the last one um that she had in um i think the last one she had was on was in august of 2011 and then she passed away september 16th of 2011 and she just told my mom you know i'm i'm just kind of tired i'm gonna go lay down Mm -hmm. and um she just fell asleep and the coroner told my mom if it's any consolation whatsoever, she died peacefully. Wow. But when a 24-year-old dies and no one can tell you why, there's really no consolation. Absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, it's, it's you know, when I was 20, my 17-year-old brother died. But the interesting part about it for both of us is it's very strange when your younger sibling dies. Mm-hmm. Because you you just assume that you're, you know, going to grow old together and outlive and that they're going to outlive you. Well, that and you have so many things planned. Like, you know, as your parents get older, it's like, okay, which one of us is going to, you know, take in mom and dad, you Mm -hmm. know, and and who's going to, you know, or are we going to like come together and decide on a nursing home? And, you know, yes, I have my brother, but, you know, we're both married. My brother has his family and, you know, I have, you know, my husband's family. So it's kind of like, well, there's one more, there's there's one less person to help make these decisions. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just kind of it, it's still surreal, and it's been five and a half years, and perhaps it's because I didn't live at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents, was, you know, live in Northern California, and that's where my sister lived, and I live in Texas. Um, I was so going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you: Do you feel like you got the support because you didn't live in the same place, and did you feel like you got the acknowledgement and validation? I mean, because you guys weren't together, or? Well, I'm. I feel very blessed that. Um, I have the relationship with my parents that I have because even though, you know, we're not in the same state, you know, we would talk on the phone more and text each other more. And um, when she, when my sister passed away, I told my parents right then and there, I was like, you guys are coming home. You guys are coming to Texas for Christmas. I, I didn't want them spending their first holiday without my sister, you know, at home, you know, dealing with the first, you know, mm-hmm. the, the first of, um, of many holidays to come. So um, I feel like, you know, even though we don't see each other as often as I would like, I feel that we are very supportive for each other. Yeah, and tell us about the run that you go on at Disneyland every year in your sister's honor. Well, my sister loved Tinkerbell, and Mm -hmm. um, before she 
um, before she really started getting sick, Run Disney announced a Tinkerbell half marathon, um, you know, that was going to be held. And, you know, when they, when they released the medal, I sent it to, I posted, you know, posted it on Facebook and my sister was like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. You know, and she was all excited. And before she started getting too sick, we had agreed that I was going to do the half marathon and she was going to try and do it with my mom and I. And, um, after she started getting sick and they didn't have any answers, um, she decided to do the 5k with my dad and my mom was going to do the half marathon and being, you know, the little sister that she was, she was like, Oh, mom's going to do it and give it, give me the medal. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> typical little sister, typical mm-hmm. baby of the family response. Um, and the inaugural event, uh, the inaugural Tinkerbell half marathon happened in January of 2012. So unfortunately my sister was not alive to see mm-hmm. that, but, um, my brother stepped in and he did the 5k with my dad and my mom and I did the half marathon together. And ever since then, my mom, my dad, and I, you know, will do, you know, the Tinkerbell half marathon. And, you know, we also do more events. You know, we'll do the 5K and we'll do the 10K. And because we just felt like Stephanie would have pushed us to do more and get the bonus bling. I love that you guys do all that every year. And um, well, the, I, great thing is the, the other interesting thing is together. when the Tinkerbell Half Marathon first came out, the first two years it was held in January, and then they switched it to Mother's Day weekend. So it feels even more special mm-hmm. um, because, you know, my mom gets sad, of course, you know, because it's Mother's Day and it's, you know, Tinkerbell. Stephanie loved, but at least, you know, we're together doing something and we feel her presence around us right and i know that you did a panel on grief and a grief and perspective panel at compassionate friends last year at the national conference and that you Mm -hmm. brought parents and siblings together on this panel what did you learn from the panel or what did the audience learn what kind of things came up well first of all it was very well received and we just got word that we're going to be presenting it again i love it is that with your parents um, what we what we loved about the panel was that it did have, um, it did represent each type of relationship. So my father and I were presenters, and then there was, you know, a son and a mother, you know, a daughter and a mother, you know, and so forth. And we didn't plan on this, but, you know, they, there were several, you know, types of deaths were presented as well. And what I learned the most was that um, there are a lot of parents out there that do want to hear what their kids are saying and how they're feeling. And even if they don't know how to communicate with them, and even if the brief siblings don't know how to communicate with their parents, um, it's good to know that um, they, they do want to be there for each other. And and your parents were on this panel, weren't they? My dad was, yes. So it was you and your dad mm-hmm. together. And I know that certain themes came up, like um, talk a little bit about the idea of parents becoming overprotective, because I know that was a theme that came up in this panel. Well, that was something that came up. Um, I, I haven't experienced it too much because, you know, I am older, mm-hmm. but I know that for um, siblings, you know, the brief siblings that are, you know, still living at home, maybe high school age or middle school age, there tends to be um, an issue with parents being a little too overprotective after losing a child, um, which, you know, it, it, is, it is understandable to a point. And, I mean, parents are still going to be parents. But I think the biggest thing is opening up the lines of communication between the surviving siblings and the parents and kind of, you know, being flexible and compromising as to, 
you know, I understand, you know, if you want me to call you when I'm out and I come home, fine. But, you know, kind of drawing the line as to what's acceptable and what's a little bit too much. And compromise is really important. And, Mom, I know that you had your own experience with Heather um, around being worried about her one night after Scott died. Oh, yeah. I, uh, she was out at a party, and I just panicked uh, because I couldn't get a hold of her. That was pre-cell phones. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and so one of the fr- his friends came over to the house, and they went out and found her. I mean, this was early. There was really nothing wrong, and came back and told me she was okay. He could see how agitated I was and said, do you want me to go find her? And I said, yes. So parents, really, it's not particularly rational. But how about this cell phone thing for you two? I can imagine that people must be calling people up. Did anybody say that on the panel? I mean, that would be a way to control your kids or, or deal with your fear. Yes, that, that did come up on the panel about text messaging, like, you know, at least tell me when you're home. You know, you are you home yet? You didn't tell me that you're home yet. And um, so that makes it a little bit, you know, easier um, to, to keep in touch. But, you know, on the flip side, Gloria, we, well, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I know me, myself, I get, I get worried about my parents too. If I call them and they don't, they don't answer, and I don't get a you know text from my mom saying, "Hey, we're busy" or whatever, you know, because I I start thinking the same thing because I already lost my sister, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it, even though it was an out of order death, you know, your sister, your baby sister is not supposed to die before, you know, your grandparents and your parents. Um, when at the time that my sister passed away, I still had three living grandparents, and that just seemed absolutely surreal. Well, well, Lisa, you're making a really good point because we do worry about our parents. And I'm always saying to parents, um, please don't say that you have no reason to live anymore. Because that is so hard to hear. uh, Isn't it? It's so hard to hear. Isn't it? It's it's like we're not enough. I mean, that's how we Mm -hmm. hear it often. And also, like you said, it's terrifying for us to think that one of our uh, that we're going to lose a parent, that that's Mm -hmm. even a possibility. So when we hear parents say. I don't know how I don't want to survive. I wish I wasn't here. I want to be with my child that died. It's it's scary. It's scary for us as siblings. And I think I think that's another thing that adds a layer of complexity to sibling grief mm-hmm. is that I, I've heard from many people and, and I've felt this way myself. I feel sometimes that I didn't just lose my sister. I felt like I've lost my parents because you know, mm-hmm. we're all different versions of who we were. Right. Um, you know, before the loss. And, you know, we all talk about like the before and after, you know, um, the before the death and the after the death. But it's true. I mean, we're not the same person, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. A lot of times it is, you know, you, you do change for the better. You know, you become more sympathetic, more empathetic, mm-hmm. um, more understanding. And, um, and, and uh, Lisa, I know you're writing a book on adult bereaved siblings. What do mm-hmm. you see as different? Is there something, anything that's unique to adult bereaved siblings that might not be the case in with a, a sibling loss that's not an adult? Well, I think that, you know, siblings as a whole, we've, you know, all kind of um, accepted the fact that we're known as the forgotten mourners. But as an adult sibling, I think it's even more so because um, my sister wasn't married, but for those siblings, you know, that um, that do lose a sibling older in life, and, you know, that they're married and they have children, they get buried even more um, as far as, you know, people recognizing that they're grieving their, their sibling because they think, you know, first it's the parent, oh, no, it's the spouse, oh, no, it's, you know, if they had any children. Um, so it's like the sibling totally gets 
gets uh, lost in the shuffle even more. And and mom, that's certainly been the case for you, with especially with your brother's death. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. With my brother and sister are you know mm-hmm. older and in their you know they're older than I am because I'm the youngest in the family, but. Yet nobody really considers you as a younger, the youngest sibling in the family. You know, they're all, they have kids and grandkids and mm-hmm. everybody's out there worrying them. But I miss my sister and uh, mm-hmm. I miss being able to, we had that shared history. I mean, we're the only ones that knew about our parents and growing up. And my brother died um, right after her about a year later or a year before she did. And uh, the same thing. Yeah, uh, they're my siblings and we have that shared history and it, it becomes less and less people who know our history. Right, absolutely. And uh, Lisa, if there were if there were some adult siblings out there that had just had a loss and they're struggling and they don't know how they're going to survive or make it, what what kind of advice would you give them? Well, the the first thing I would I would say is that you have to you have to go easy on yourself. You have to cut yourself some slack. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. Um, there is no timeline. Um, as far as, you know, grief doesn't just end. You're going to miss them until the day you take your last breath because, you know, they're your sibling and you love them. And you're going to think of them not just on Christmas or their birthday or their anniversary. You know, it could be just a Tuesday where, you know, there's a song or a smell that reminds you of something they would have liked. And um, the other thing I'd say is just reevaluate your relationships and, you know, don't be afraid to... Um, to ask other people for help. I mean, like I said, I was lucky that I am very close with my mom and dad, so I feel very blessed that I had support. Um, But I just think that sometimes, you know, people as adults, they kind of, you know, they they lose sight of the fact that, you know, family family does matter. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you might not have the best relationship, but, I mean, if if, if you can swing it, it's so much better to to um, get through it together than to try and get through it on your own. I agree with that. I mean, knowing that you're not alone and, and, and being able to get through it together is really, really powerful. And I, I'm always saying to parents, you know, let your kids know, look, we're going to survive. We're going to, th- I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it as a unit together. We're a strong family. We're not going to let this destroy us. Um, it's so important because, you know, initially after a sibling loss, you basically feel like your life is destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that we have people like you on to show, look, we do eventually go on to find help again. And, yes, Stephanie and Scott are always in our lives. They always will be. And now they're our guiding lights. And so that's that's an amazing thing. Absolutely. Absol- yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to look forward to uh, seeing your book come out. Keep working on it. I am. It's it's a work in progress. It's you know it's something that came up a couple of years ago, and uh, my husband keeps asking me, "When are you going to finish it? When are you going to finish it?" But it's just like I said. It's just you know there's some parts are more difficult to discuss than others, so it's just kind of coming along little by little. But it is something I am going to do. That's awesome. Well, writing is so cathartic. We've heard so many uh, people who talk about how great writing is. So I love the fact that you're doing this. And it gives me a chance to, you know, introduce my sister to people that never had a chance to meet her, and it keeps her memory alive. And, you know, hopefully it, if it can just help one person, then I'll be happy. But I think that it is something that uh, that, that uh, should be able to help a lot of people. 
I agree, Lisa. I think it will help a lot of people, and I think you you are definitely helping a lot of people, and I have certainly seen your grief transform over the years, and you've turned your grief outward into service, and now you are touching so many lives, and I know that you're doing it as a tribute to Stephanie. So thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you in Orlando in July. I look forward to seeing you guys, too, and I do have to say um, that you guys were the ones that inspired me because it was attending your Open to Hope um, workshop um, in Costa Mesa. It was the very first uh, TCF conference I ever went to. My sister hadn't even, you know, been gone for a full year. And, you know, when you listed, you know, um, ways to help with your grief and you mentioned be of service, that's what I committed myself to. That's what I wanted to do. That was what I wanted her legacy to be. Oh, I love hearing that. Thank you both. Thank you. That was so sweet. And thank you for giving us that tip of how we can help other people, too. You're just passing it right along. Fabulous. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. All right. You're welcome. Have a great day. You, too. Well, Heidi, uh, what a great uh, story of service. I I think it's absolutely amazing. I I love that. And I I love the fact, compassionate friends, that you've been able to know her and see her through these years and how, you know, after five and a half years, what progress she's made and finding happiness and hope again. I have absolutely seen it. I watched her energy totally shift from someone that didn't know how she was going to find hope and was very shut down to just completely opening up, being of service, reaching out to others, it, it, compassionate friends that are not as far down the road, and really becoming a leader with the siblings. That's awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to our show today, and we hope that you'll remind everybody about Open to Hope. We do have great resources for all kinds of loss and some wonderful things for sibling loss. And as Heidi and I always want to say, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.